this is Adam Hulse. Thanks for tuning into this episode of my podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking mostly about the NFL, as I will talk about NFL pretty much every week moving forward. And then today, I will also be getting to the UFC with UFC 253, the big pay-per-view coming up this weekend. I definitely want to get into what exactly is going on in the UFC world right now and some of the conversations going on around that event that will be happening this Saturday night. But before I get to those two things, let's just touch very quickly on the basketball, hockey, and baseball. There's not a whole lot to update on right now. For hockey, we are in the Stanley Cup Finals. It is the Lightning versus the Stars, as I thought it would be when I brought that up in my last episode. The Stars are currently up 1-0, but I am sticking with my pick from the last episode. I think that the Lightning are going to come back and eventually win this series and take home the Cup. That's really all I have to update on when it comes to the hockey right now. When it comes to the NBA, we are now in the conference finals of the NBA. In the East, it is the Heat and the Celtics, where the Heat are leading 2-1. to one. And then in the West, in the last episode, it was right before that Game 7 between the Nuggets and Clippers, in which I thought the Clippers would win. They did not win. The Nuggets surprisingly won that game. It was a big upset, a huge win for that Nuggets team. They are now in their Western Conference series with the Lakers. They are behind 2-0 in that one, but in the first two rounds of the playoffs, the Nuggets were behind as well, and they came back. So, yes, still a lot of story to tell on what's going to happen in each of the two conference finals. My prediction was from the beginning of this bubble, and still is now, that it is going to be the Lakers over the Heat in the finals. I made that prediction before the bubble started. I confirmed that prediction in our episode last week, and I'm sticking with it now. Lakers overheat in the finals. We will talk a little bit more about that when the matchup is officially set and underway. But for now, that is all we have for the NBA. And then for MLB, we are only about a week away from postseason baseball. This regular 60-game schedule has just about a week left in it. Last episode, I talked a lot about the playoff positioning and seeding and outlook for both the AL and the NL. Again, in a week's time, we will be to that postseason. So in next week's episode, I will get a lot more into MLB with some playoff outlook, some playoff predictions. We're not going to get into it this time, but again, next episode next week, I will definitely be talking more about Major League Baseball. Okay, so now that I have gone through those other three sports really quickly and kind of got up to date with where we stand on those, let's jump into the UFC. As I said, this coming weekend is UFC 253, the big pay-per-view event, the much-anticipated matchup between Israel Adesanya and Paul Costa. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about what happened this past weekend on Saturday night in UFC Fight Night. Really good main event was scheduled for that one between Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley in the welterweight division. Normally, that's the type of fight that would be a pay-per-view type fight. So it was really cool to see that in just a fight night as opposed to a pay-per-view. Unfortunately, the fight did not really live up to all of the hype. There was a lot of bad blood coming into this one. Big Rod 
rivalry match between Woodley and Covington, but watching the fight, I mean, Covington just dominated this fight start to finish. Woodley never really had a shot. Covington was just way too much for him, overpowered him the whole time. So though it was an exciting main event to be carded and a really cool matchup and a really strong rivalry, Covington really just dominated from start to finish. Now, what does that mean for each of these two fighters? Starting with Woodley, that's Woodley's third loss in a row now. He has not looked very good in any of those three fights. He's gotten beaten pretty handily. That's bad signs for him moving forward, getting a little up there in age now. Dana White actually said himself after the fight that maybe Woodley should kind of start thinking about life after the UFC. So yeah, that's not good for him. If he sticks around, it's going to be a really long time until he gets high up in those welterweight rankings and gets anywhere near the discussion for a title shot again. Three losses in a row is hard to overcome, especially the way he lost those three fights. So again, if he's going to keep fighting, he's going to be fighting guys more in the 5 to 10, 5 to 15 rank type range, and it would take him a long time to get back up to the status where he was at as a former champion and as one of the top contenders. He's no longer there, and I don't really think he is going to get back there at this point in his career. While on the other hand, Covington, who looked great in this fight, he's now 16 and 2 overall, still looking as good as ever. His most recent loss was, of course, against the current champion, Kamaru Usman. Usman will be fighting Gilbert Burns later this year for that welterweight belt, and I think Covington now doesn't have to do anything else. I think he will get the winner of this Usman versus Burns fight in all likelihood. It'll either be a rematch with Usman, a fight in which Covington lost, or he would get that title shot, I believe, against Burns if Burns were to pull the big upset over Usman. But my prediction for this situation moving forward is that Usman will beat Burns later this year, as he should. Colby Covington will get his rematch with Usman. I think that's what will happen, even though I'm not exactly excited about that happening, because I just think that fight two will go exactly like fight one did. Both Usman and Covington have very similar grappling type styles, but Usman's just better at it. So I just feel that exactly what happened in fight one, in which Usman stayed in control and didn't necessarily dominate the fight, but was never really in any threat of losing. He won pretty convincingly, and I think that's exactly what would happen if we do get round two between Usman and Covington. But that is just speculation right now, so let's get into the fights that are scheduled for this coming Saturday at pay-per-view UFC 253. I mainly want to talk about the two main events there, starting with the vacant light heavyweight title match. I think that Dom Reyes is going to win this fight. If you remember, Dom Reyes did fight John Bones Jones for the light heavyweight title not too long ago. Dom looked to be in control of that fight. At least he did at the halfway point, and he kind of gassed out against John Bones. Bones dominated the fourth and fifth rounds to eventually win the decision, but Dom did look very good in that fight, especially in the first two rounds in which he clearly won and actually really put it on John Jones like we haven't really seen anybody do before. So because Dom was able to accomplish all of that in his fight with Jones, I think he is going to win this vacant light heavyweight title match and he will be the new champ. The title is vacant because John Bones Jones decided to vacate the light heavyweight division and move up to heavyweight. He's currently putting on the weight and the proper training to get his first fight in the heavyweight division. It's a much anticipated heavyweight arrival for Jones. It's something that's been talked about for a while now. He's mentioned he thought about moving up before. He finally is making 
making that move now and who will his first fight be in that division when Jones finally does make his much anticipated arrival to heavyweight it really can only be one of two people in my opinion and that is either number one contender Francis Ngannou or current heavyweight champion Stipe Miocic now look most fighters if they're moving a division or entering a division they would need some warm-up fights some build-up fights before they get the type of match with a number one contender or with a champion but this isn't anyone we're talking about we're talking about John Jones John Jones is on most people's list the number one pound-for-pound fighter of all time one of the most accomplished fighters of all time so I don't think he's interested in warm-up fights nor do I think Dana White in the UFC would make him take any of those lower ranked fights before getting a big one if John Jones is headlining any pay-per-view event it's going to sell it's going to sell big he knows that the UFC knows that and because he's John Jones he probably will either be getting a number one contender fight or jump straight into that title fight for his first fight in the heavyweight division so for these three guys Stipe Francis and Jones it's kind of a triangle two of these guys are going to fight next up in my opinion and then the other one who is not in that fight would get the winner so either we'll see the absolute super fight matchup between Stipe Miocic and John Jones which would probably be one of the highest selling pay-per-views of all time if that fight were to happen Francis Ngannou would just stay number one contender and get the winner of that fight or UFC could go the route of a Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou rematch because that is the champ and number one contender right now I'm not sure if that's the route that they would go because in that first fight Stipe really controlled the whole fight start to finish on his way to a five round decision Francis never really had much of a shot in that fight Stipe was just way too good for him then it was a couple years ago and things have changed since then but there is a really good chance that fight two would go pretty similarly to fight one but Francis does deserve his title shot so they may give it to him versus Stipe before they do anything with Jones or option three would be to let Ngannou and Jones fight for that number one contender spot let Stipe take a little bit of a break and then the winner of Jones and Ganu would get Stipe this Jones and Ganu fight is actually a flight that's been flirted with for a long time now Francis claims he really wants this fight Jones claims he's willing to fight him but it's just been a lot of talk to this point nothing official has happened it's a fight that would make a lot of sense for everybody involved let it be a true number one contender fight especially if Francis is willing to take that fight like he claims he is and then the winner of Jones and Ganu would face off with Stipe Miocic later on so that's kind of where we currently stand with the heavyweight situation as well as the light heavyweight situation so with that let's get into the main event of this UFC card and that is a battle of two undefeated fighters Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa who have a very big feud of their own these two have been going at it for a long time now they've exchanged words both in person and through the social media outlets they do not like each other at all Israel is of course the champion right now Costa is the number one contender they are both undefeated something's got to give one of them will get their first loss this weekend I think this is such an intriguing matchup here because of their opposite styles Costa is the kind of fighter who likes to keep coming forward he's very aggressive he likes to put the pressure on he gets his knockouts he's a lot to handle again he'll just keep coming forward while for Israel that's kind of what he prefers in the opponents that he faces because he's a much more counter strike oriented type fighter and one of the best technical strike 
strikers in all of the UFC at this point. So he welcomes guys to come forward on him because he usually will just pick them apart at that point. He's done it to everybody else that he's faced to this point in his career, but he's never faced anybody as good as Paulo Costa. So again, this is a very, very intriguing fight. Two very contrasting styles, a big feud, a big rivalry. There's everything that there is to get excited about this fight. If I have to make a prediction, I will be taking Israel Adesanya to defend his middleweight belt and win this fight by decision over Paulo Costa in the main event this Saturday. But either way, this is an extremely exciting fight to look forward to. It's one of the best fights and best matchups on paper that we've seen in the UFC in a really long time. So regardless of what happens, I am really excited to see that one. The following pay-per-view next month has another great matchup as well. It's Khabib against Justin Gaethje, of course. I'm not going to get too far into that matchup right now. We will do that next month as that event draws closer, but a very exciting fight, of course, to look forward to there between Khabib and Gaethje. Okay, so now that we are all caught up with UFC and everything else, let's get into the NFL now. NFL is now completed week two besides Monday Night Football. I mentioned in my last episode that I record these podcasts on Monday morning, so the Saints and Raiders Monday Night Football game has not taken place yet, but we have completed another Sunday of NFL football as well as the past Thursday night. And like we did last week, we are just going to run through all of the games and teams and a little bit about what we learned. So with that, we will start our quick week two rundown with the Thursday night game between the Browns and the Bengals. The Browns won this game. They showed some life. It was a nice bounce back by them after getting demolished by the Ravens in week one. Baker Mayfield and company bounce back in week two to take down the Bengals from the Bengals side of things. It's two weeks in a row now with a tough loss, that three-point loss to the Chargers in week one, and then this five-point loss to the Browns. But if you're a Bengals fan, you have to be happy about what you've seen to this point with Joe Burrow. He looks like he may have a promising future ahead of him. This year is not so much about the wins and losses for the Bengals, but it's mostly about that quarterback, Joe Burrow, and how he progresses. And I'd say after two games, you have to be pretty happy with the way he's played, the way he's fought, and the way he's hung in both of these games. Now moving on to Sunday and our first game will start with the absolute miracle that the Dallas Cowboys pulled off over the Atlanta Falcons. The Cowboys were down 20 points 10 minutes into that game. The Falcons held the lead for the entire game. The Cowboys never had a lead in that game until they won it at the end. A complete meltdown, complete disaster by the Atlanta Falcons and from the Cowboys perspective they just kept fighting. It looked so many times like they were too far out of reach to win that game. They never quit. They kept playing. They kept scoring. They rallied behind Dak Prescott. He kept them in that game and ultimately gave them a chance to win it, which they did. It took a little bit of luck on a tricky little onside kick that they pulled where the kicker kicked this spinner ball that looked like it was only going to go about five yards. The Falcons never touched it. Somehow the ball kept spinning and kept moving forward and the Cowboys jumped on it as soon as it hit 10 yards. It was a really creative style of onside kick and it worked it was sure a little bit lucky but the Cowboys fighting to stay in that game is what gave them the opportunity for a little bit of luck late and then after recovering that kick 
they still got down the field Dak completed some passes and they got it done they kicked the field goal Greg Zerline to win the game a huge confidence and morale boost for the Cowboys things would have been looking very dark for the Cowboys if they had started this season 0-2 with having to travel to Seattle in week three it would have been a really bad situation but coming away with this victory Cowboys are feeling confident now huge win for them and on the other side the Atlanta Falcons just a complete disaster they should have won this game from a Falcons perspective there was no reason for them to lose this game I think Dan Quinn his days as head coach are very numbered I wouldn't be surprised if he gets fired this was just an absolute inexcusable disaster for Dan Quinn and the Falcons and it feels like it's starting to become a little bit of a trend for the Falcons to get these leads and somehow find ways to lose the game not good and that reflects very very badly on the head coach in that one moving on now to the Giants versus the Bears this was a pretty ugly low scoring game neither team got a whole lot going but the Bears did come away with the victory though the Giants had a chance late in this one to take it they did not the Chicago Bears are now 2-0 and to start the year two shaky wins against the Lions and Giants two teams that aren't very good two teams that they barely beat but they did beat them the Chicago Bears were my pick before the season to win the NFC North so I'm happy to see them get off to a 2-0 start here for the Giants they're 0-2 they still have a lot of struggles going on and the terrible news for the Giants coming out of that game is that Saquon Barkley has torn his ACL and is now out for the season so yeah very very bad news for the Giants there and very very disappointing of course for Saquon as well moving on to the next game the Packers defeated the Lions the Packers offense has been on fire through these two games Aaron Rodgers looks as good as ever I mentioned last week that it seems as though Aaron Rodgers decided he is on a mission this year to prove to all the doubters that he still got it there was a lot of talk this offseason about what Aaron Rodgers is anymore especially with the Packers drafting a quarterback essentially his replacement being drafted in the first rounds I think Rodgers came into this year looking to make a statement and through two weeks he's done exactly that he's won both of those games he's put up a ton of points and he's looked as good as he's ever looked on the other side the Lions are now 0-2 not really much to say about the Lions besides the fact that they always disappoint they seem to be competitive but they never seem to get the wins I don't understand why Matt Patricia is still the coach of this team coming into this year but he is and this just absolutely has to be his last season there the Lions are just a mess and they just keep disappointing game after game next up we have the Titans and the Jaguars the Jaguars being one of the more surprise stories through two weeks now they did lose this game after winning their first week with their big upset win over the Colts they lost this one against the Titans but they fought all the way to the very end they were behind and then Gardner Minshew and company they fought back they tied the game at 30 actually before giving the ball back to the Titans and the Titans went down the field and they won this game just like they won their first week game with a last second Steven Goskowski field goal to win by three. So again, the Jags looking better than most people thought they would be coming into this year. They are one and one and really had a chance to win this one as well, even though they didn't. And for the Titans, they start two and oh, both of their wins coming on a last second field goal. So those games could have gone either way, but nevertheless, they are two and oh, the Jags are one and one. 
Next up, we have the Colts against the Vikings. I just mentioned that the Colts lost week one in surprising fashion to the Jacksonville Jaguars. This week, they bounced back. They played a little bit sloppy, but they did get their first victory this week over the Vikings, who surprisingly look really bad after two weeks to this point. They got destroyed by the Packers in week one, and then this week, again, their offense couldn't get anything going at all. They barely put up any points against this Colts team. The Vikings Vikings look like a mess on defense. Their secondary is a huge problem for them, and it looks like the Vikings are going to have a tough time moving forward after starting 0-2 and not looking very good in either of those two losses. Next up, we have the Bills and the Dolphins. It seems like these two teams always have pretty good games, and they did again in this one. The Dolphins gave the Bills really all that they could handle. The Bills did stay in control for majority of the game and stayed ahead most of the time, but the Dolphins did fight really hard in this game, even though they came up with the loss. The Dolphins now 0-2 with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, which of course begs the question of when are we going to see Tua? Not exactly sure. Miami has not disclosed what their plan is with Tua moving forward. He is of course coming off of that surgery last year, but he was their top rookie pick. We expect to see him at some point this season, and if the Dolphins keep losing in this fashion it could be sooner than later look they don't want to rush it I don't think they should rush it but at some point we are going to see Tua it's not a matter of if we will see Tua at this point it's simply when will we see Tua but looking at the other side the team that beat them the Buffalo Bills I have mentioned in all of my NFL podcasts to this point that I am very big on the Buffalo Bills this year I think they are one of the most complete teams in the NFL especially after signing Stephon on Diggs this offseason. I think he was the missing piece from this team one year ago. The only thing they were missing on their playoff run last year was a true number one wide receiver. They went out and got it. They traded for Stephon Diggs, and that was really on display in this game. Josh Allen and Diggs were on the same page all day. Big game for Diggs. Another win for the Bills. They keep rolling. They move on to 2-0. Next game up is another AFC East member, the Jets against the 49ers from the NFC West. The 49ers traveling from West Coast to East Coast to play this game. The 49ers have a ton of injuries right now. They went on their backup quarterback, their backup running back. They're missing their number one receiver. They're missing their best tight ends. They were missing two offensive centers, two defensive tackles, two defensive ends, and their number one cornerback. A lot of things missing from the San Francisco 49ers right now. It's also always tough to come from the West Coast and play a game over on the East Coast. That's one o'clock start time on the East, but when you're from the West Coast, it feels like a 10 a.m. start time. So many things working against the 49ers this week, but it didn't matter because they were playing the Jets and the 49ers, even despite all of that, still won this game 31 to 13 over the absolutely terrible New York Jets. I said it before, I'll say it again. I think that the Jets are the worst team in the NFL. They are a complete mess, complete disaster. There's really nothing about the Jets team that I like at all right now. I don't really believe in their quarterback, though I don't think he's a complete lost cause. But when you look at all of the skill positions, they have nothing going for them. Their defense, they have no pass rushers. They have no defensive backs. They traded away their best player in Jamal Adams. And I think their head coach is an absolute joke as well. So again, nothing for me at all to like about 
about this Jets team. I think they are the worst team in the NFL, and I think that is going to continue moving forward all season. Next up is the LA Rams against the Philadelphia Eagles. The Rams, a little bit of a surprising start to this season. They are now 2-0. I don't think a lot of people would have picked them to start the year 2-0 against the Cowboys and the Eagles, but here they are sitting at 2-0. They looked good in this Eagles game. They got way ahead early. In garbage time, the Eagles kind of clawed back into it a little bit and made it look sort of respectable, but if you really watch that game, the Rams dominated for the majority of that game. Rams looking pretty good right now at 2-0. They're hopeful moving forward, while the Eagles at 0-2 look like a mess right now. They really don't have anything at all clicking for them. They lost their first game to Washington, which they definitely should have won that game on paper. They didn't show up. They blew the game against Washington, and then in another winnable game here, a game in which they were favored against the Rams, they lose pretty handily again. So a big mess going on in Philadelphia right now. We'll see if they can put anything together moving forward. But as for now, they're looking really bad. Next up, we have the Steelers and the Broncos. The Steelers come away with another win, so they are also a 2-0 team right now. Big Ben starting to get into a little bit of a groove now, looking more comfortable after missing all of last year due to his injury and his surgery. He has this Steelers team playing good. As I said, they are 2-0. Their defense is possibly the best defense in the NFL. There's a lot to like about what the Steelers are doing right now. So far, so good at 2-0. They'll look to keep it rolling next week. On the other side, the Broncos, two weeks in a row now, they've had pretty disappointing losses. They lost on the last second field goal in week one to the Titans, and then they lose this one this week to the Steelers by five points. They hung around. They couldn't get it done. The bigger story, though, for the Broncos is all of these injuries that are starting to pile up for them. They were already without running back Philip Lindsay. Now they lost their young quarterback Drew Locke in this game, and they also lost their star wide receiver Cortland Sutton. So a lot of injuries starting to pile up on the Broncos offense to go with the big one that they're already missing on defense in Von Miller, who is also out for the year. So the Broncos start 0-2. This was a team that I liked coming into this year, but after this start and with all of these injuries that are piling up for this team, I have definitely lost hope in the Broncos, and I'm not nearly as positive about them this year as I was at the beginning of the year. I do still believe they are going to be a good team of the future, but this just does not look like their year right now. Moving on to our final game in the 1 o'clock slate, and that is the Buccaneers and the Panthers. Tom Brady and the Bucks come away with their first victory in this one. I think that the Bucks are a team that are going to be getting better as the year goes on. I think somewhere around the midpoint to later in the year is when they're going to be playing their best football, when Brady really gets into his rhythm and really learns his weapons and how they operate and him and Bruce Arians start clicking. But they did get their first victory this week. They are now 1-1 one and one, and I expect them to keep getting better as the year goes on. While on the other side, the Panthers, they are 0-2 now. The Panthers are in a rebuild. It's not so much about the record this year as it is about finding the right pieces moving forward for their brand new coach, Matt Rule, as well as their new quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater. But the biggest storyline 
to come out of this game is unfortunately for them. There was an injury to their superstar running back, one of the best players in the NFL, Christian McCaffrey. He will be out for several weeks, if not several months. Huge blow to that team. They will definitely be patient and take their time with getting McCaffrey back on the field because like I said, they are in a rebuild. The record isn't so important for Panthers this year. It's just getting the right guys. There will be no rush to get McCaffrey back on the field, but that's definitely a devastating blow for them. Okay, now let's move on to the afternoon slate where there were three games. We'll start with the Cardinals and the Washington football team. The Cardinals are one of the more impressive looking teams to this point. They start 2-0 after upsetting the 49ers in week one. They come back out in week two and they really dominate Washington in this one. I really like the Cardinals coming into this year. I did take over on their win total for the season. They start 2-0. Kyler Murray looks awesome. He's playing one of the best in the NFL right now at the quarterback position and is in the early conversation, at least top five for the MVP moving forward. Obviously, it's early. It's only two games in. He looks great. The Cardinals look way ahead of schedule. They are off to a very impressive 2-0, while on the other side, Washington loses this one after their big upset victory in week one over the Eagles. They come back face the Cardinals. They lose. They go back down to one and one. This is also kind of a rebuilding team, a very young team. They have a lot of talent, especially on defense in their front seven. And then on offense at the skill positions, very, very young there. So this is a young developing team trying to stay ahead of schedule. But this for Washington season is way more about developing the young talent than it is the wins and losses. So next we have a game that ended up being way more exciting than I thought it would. I thought that the Chiefs would blow out the Chargers this week. Not so much. The Chargers led for almost this entire game. The Chiefs fought back in the fourth quarter to force overtime, and eventually the Chiefs won in overtime with a very long field goal from Harrison Butker. The Chargers defense was super impressive in this one. They really, really slowed down and almost shut down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They did for about three quarters of the game. Mahomes came alive in the fourth and ultimately got it done in overtime. The big story for the Chargers here was that rookie quarterback Justin Herbert got his first start. Tyrod Taylor was hurt pregame. They weren't planning on going to Justin Herbert this early, but because of the injury, they brought him in to start this game. And he had a really, really good game, especially for a first time. As I said, he led the Chiefs for majority of this game. He pretty much did what he had to do at the quarterback position. He did end up throwing a late interception in this game, which was huge for the Chiefs getting back in it. But if you're a Charger fan, you have to be happy with what you saw with Herbert, especially because it's only week two and he was not planning on starting this week. It was a surprise start for him and he handled it very, very well. Our final game in the four o'clock slate was the Ravens and the Texans. The Ravens just keep their momentum rolling in this one. They beat the Texans fairly easily. The Ravens have a crazy regular season streak going on right now. They've now had 13 straight regular season games where they have not trailed at all in the second half. So yeah, the Ravens are hot right now. They are good right now. They have one of the best rosters, if not the best roster in the entire NFL. They keep it rolling here. They're 2-0 and and really not many signs of them slowing down. While on the other hand, the Texans start 0-2. Look, very brutal schedule to start the season for the Texans. I said they're 0-2. Those two losses have come to the Chiefs and Ravens, who are arguably the two best teams in the entire NFL, and it doesn't get too much easier for the Texans next.
next week where they have to face the Steelers. So yes, very rough schedule to start the season for the Texans. They're 0-2 and hoping that they can steal one against the Steelers next week. Now, the final game to get to from this week was the primetime Sunday night game between the Seattle Seahawks and the New England Patriots. And man, what an awesome game this was. The game was tight all the way through. Russell Wilson put on an absolute performance. He threw five touchdown passes in this game as he continues his MVP campaign. After two weeks, I would say that Russell Wilson is the favorite to win an MVP this year, a much-deserved MVP for Russell, who now in nine years has been good every year. He's always been one of the best in the league. For some reason, it still feels like he's a little bit underrated, underappreciated. Bill Belichick said himself going into this game that he thinks Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in football. It's hard to disagree with that statement. Russell is so, so good. Nine years, he hasn't won an MVP yet. He hasn't even gotten a vote for MVP yet, despite how good he's been. This really could be his year to finally get one. And through two weeks, I'd say that he is the front runner for it. Adding to his MVP campaign, and as well as the Seahawks campaign to possibly make a Super Bowl this season, the Seahawks did win this game. They almost let it slip away late as the Patriots drove all the way down the field to about the two-yard line. Last play of the game, Cam Newton tried to rush the ball into the end zone, but the Seattle defense came up big, stopped him short, dropping the Patriots to 1-1. One and one. The Seahawks climbed to 2-0. and oh. Biggest thing for the Seahawks, again, is Russell Wilson, how good he is in clutch performance time. When the game's on the line, he seems to play his best football. But the big thing for the Seahawks this year that they didn't have in last year or prior years is now they have Jamal Adams, who is a superstar, all-pro safety, arguably the best safety in all of football. He's a game-breaker. He's a game-changer. He came away with so many huge plays throughout this game, especially in the fourth quarter. He didn't get a lot of opportunities when he was a Jet to play in big games because the Jets really have not been good in a long time. Now that he's with the Seahawks and getting some spotlight games, some big games in prime time, and getting a chance to be in some of these clutch situations, he's really showing that he's going to rise to that occasion. So this Seahawks team is a very dangerous team, a very good team, and they have as good a chance as anybody to make it to the Super Bowl this year. I'd say through two weeks, they have to be the favorites in the NFC at least. And then when it comes to the Patriots on the other side, I said they came about a yard short of winning this game. If Cam Newton had made it into the end zone on that last play, they would have won this game. Look, through two weeks, the Patriots are better than I thought that they were going to be. Cam Newton has looked a lot better than I thought he would look. The Patriots may be onto something here. I was a little skeptical before the year that the Patriots were possibly tanking this season for a shot at a high draft pick and a shot at Trevor Lawrence. I was dead wrong about that. The Patriots are definitely trying to win this year, and so far it looks like they have an opportunity to do so as long as Cam Newton can stay healthy at quarterback. Okay, so with that, that wraps up our Sunday slate of NFL games. Again, I am recording this on a Monday morning, as I always do, so the Saints-Raiders game has not taken place yet. Looking ahead to next week, the Thursday night matchup is the much better than expected Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the rebuilding Miami Dolphins. Before this year started, I would not have felt this way, but I think that the Jaguars are going to win on Thursday night. Again, the Jaguars look way better than anyone really thought that they would look, so I am going to be taking the Jags
legs in that one. And then when you look at next Sunday, the two big highlights that jump out at you for week three are the two primetime games, Sunday night football, Packers versus Saints, and Monday night football is the real big one, the Kansas City Chiefs against the Baltimore Ravens, who are arguably the two best teams in football. So yes, two very exciting primetime matchups for week three, two of the better teams in the NFC on Sunday night, two of the best teams in the entire NFL on Monday night. So that's two really exciting matchups to look forward to there. We will be back with another podcast next week. We will talk about what happens in that week three, do another little breakdown like we've done the last two weeks. And next week's podcast, we are also definitely going to be talking about baseball as well with baseball postseason right around the corner now, only about a week away. In our next podcast, we will be giving you all of our breakdown picks and predictions for the MLB postseason. I hope you come back and join me for that episode. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. The handle is at Adam Hulse Sports. Until next week, this has been Adam Hulse. Thanks again for listening.